This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, bank stocks have had a furious rally since Election Day. Have they come too far too fast? We will start getting the answer to that question on Friday, because on Friday, some of the biggest banks will start reporting their earnings, and our banking team is here with a preview. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast, everyone out there in uh, Podcastlandia. Paul and Stephen coming to you from the studio in New York City. Joined today by a, a crack team of Wall Street Journal reporters. I'll introduce them in a minute. But uh, the reason they're here today is because, yes, it is 2017. Yes, the calendar has turned. But we still have one extremely important piece of business from 2016 to wrap up, and that is earnings, corporate earnings, fourth quarter earnings. Uh, fourth quarter and year-end earnings will start coming in. On Friday morning, we get three rather critical big banks and they on are the docket. Really, they're really kicking off earnings season because there's no Alcoa. You know what's funny is I, I thought that too, and I yeah. went looking for Alcoa. I, don't even, 20, I think it's on the 25th. Yeah, I, I couldn't even find when they report. Is it now Altaba? Oh, no, that's something else. That's, <laughs> that's something else. Uh, so to join us to talk about bank earnings, this Friday morning we get uh, J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and PNC, right? PNC, PNC always gets lost. I think it's Bank of America. And oh, Bank of America. Not City, right? Yes. That's it. Bank of America. Bank of America, okay. America Wells Fargo, JPM. Uh, and as you have heard, we are not alone. Rachel Louise Ensign, Peter Rudiger, and Aaron Lucchetti are here in the studio with us. Welcome, everyone. Hey, Paul. Uh, Peter, coming out of retirement for this one, huh? You know, it, it's a big day. We're calling it the trifecta here with three big banks, and uh, we'll need all the help we can get. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's let's see. Where should we start on this, Grocer? What do you think? I think. I mean, the thing that I think that's most interesting is just comparing where we were a year ago to where we are now. Uh, it's pretty startling. I mean, a year ago, <laughs> banks were like, you know, were struggling. Uh, the shares were getting beaten up. Uh, people were questioning how they were going to earn money. Um, were they just utilities? And now that tone, I think, has completely changed. We, you know, we've seen this massive run up in the shares uh, over the since you know the election, and people are, <laughs> in, in, in some people are suggesting actually now that it's gone too far. Well, even optimism even, has gone too far. Even three months ago, it was a lot different. I mean, yeah. it was a real show me story. Uh, oh, rates are going to go up. Okay, let me know when it happens. You know, trading's going to come back. Uh, let me know when it's going to happen, or at least let me know when it's going to happen for more than one quarter. But uh, in November, with the uh, with the change in administration and the Republican Congress, bank investors have sort of turned over a new leaf. They're optimistic. They're running to the races. They're buying up stocks, once unloved, and uh, and yeah, now to the point where, of course, there's the counter reaction where a lot of analysts have come in and said, okay, maybe they've run too yeah. far. Uh, but it's no more longer a show me story. It's like where do I get on and and get get on the the roller coaster? And for the first time in a while, I think expectations are actually high. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I want to go back to what you were saying, Steve, about a year ago. I mean, people might not remember this, but bank shares were pricing in the probability of a pretty deep recession. Right? We had falling oil prices, slowing economies in China and abroad, and a lot of folks thought that banks would just you know continue to lose revenue and fixed income trading and stock trading, and, and investors were really bearish on the stocks. Um, 
a lot of that wasn't borne out by the fundamentals, you should say. Now, they had to add provisions for bad oil and gas loans, but otherwise they were performing okay about a year ago. Now, they're still performing pretty good, not great, and, and the investor confidence is exactly in the other direction, right? It, it's um, all about what could happen in the future and, you know, pricing in a pretty big economic boom, which, again, the evidence of that and the evidence of the recession that we're pricing in a year ago, neither of those have really been borne out by reality yet, but it's a lot of excitement. You're right. Yeah, I think one of the biggest questions this earnings go around is if the results are actually just so-so, you know, moderate loan growth, moderate deposit growth, uh, you know, maybe trading is okay but not great, how much do investors care? Does that cause them to pull back and uh, some of the euphoria after the election to dim a little bit? Or are they just going to say, well, this was the last quarter of 2016, we think that it's a whole new world for these banks going forward, and eventually it will be wonderful for them, which makes these valuations worth it. That, I think that's one of the big questions this time around. In, in terms of actual performance, I mean, Peter, you, you raised the interesting point. You think people were maybe a little too bearish last year, maybe a little too optimistic right now. But in, in terms of actual performance, when you look at the bottom lines, what, what are the expectations for these banks on Friday? I mean, they earned money a year ago, right? That's right. Uh, we'll, I assume they're going to earn it again this year. Well, we're seeing something for the fourth quarter that we haven't seen in a long time, and that's upward revisions to analyst estimates, right? So the sh- the estimates for earnings for Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley to take two big banks have been revised upward by 14% by analysts, right? Usually it's, for the past couple quarters, been revising down estimates. Banks have beaten those estimates, but they've been lowered a couple of times. Now we're going to see, can they beat a higher bar? And, you know, Goldman and Morgan, a big story with them is trading. And so what a lot of people are excited for is the trading environment that, you know, came around Election Day and, and out of, you know, the fallout from Brexit over the summer, whether that continued in the fourth quarter. You saw bank executives at a couple big investor conferences in November and December say that they're expecting gains of 15 percent, 20 percent in trading. Um, and we might see something in, you know, in the results that we haven't seen in a long time, and that's year over year full-year trading gains, right? So basically, since the financial crisis, oh. uh, bank trading revenue has, has fallen from year to year, you know, quarterly jumped around a lot. But now, you know, based on some data just on trading volumes, those have risen in 2016 versus 2015. We'll see if the revenue can can follow that higher. Hmm. But the hope is there. You don't usually expect populism to be good for banks. <laughs> but in this situation, it actually was with both Brexit and the U.S. election. Uh, the, the day after both those events, I mean, you saw all-time high in trading volumes. Yeah, and investors are expecting that populism, or at least this form of it, will continue to be good for banks and that uh, well, regulations will be rolled back. We see a lot of senior bankers, specifically from Goldman Sachs, being named to top jobs. The head of the SEC is a guy who made his living at probably the top law firm for banks. So the view right now is that the Trump administration and the Republican House is wonderful for banks. But I think there is a question of what's actually going to happen, obviously, over the next few years. Interesting strain of populism. Yes, yes. Yeah, strain of populism that's very pro-growth. You know, the the tariffs and the uh, protectionism does does scare some folks in the markets. But along with it comes the pretty strong pro-business, pro-growth 
less regulatory uh, interference type uh, mantra that you're starting to see in the early days of the Trump administration. Plus, you also have to consider that the economy is on pretty steady footing. So there's much more of a mandate to relax regulations than there was at the beginning of Obama's term when he was trying to sort of steady the ship. The crisis had just, you know, sort of flared up and he, he really needed to regain confidence and steady the ship. Now this thing is moving in the right direction. Trump has a little bit more flexibility to take off some regulation, and it probably won't be as unpopular as it would have been four or six years ago. Let's take a break here. We will uh, give you this important message, and we will come right back with the Wall Street Journal banking team talking about previewing bank earnings. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. That's V-A-N-T-A dot WSJ. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. And for more great podcasts, you can check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. We are on Twitter. Everyone's on Twitter, right? Of course, we're on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And you can subscribe to us. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, your Google Play Music app. You can find us on uh, Amazon Echo and everywhere where you would anywhere where you'd possibly have a device where you could listen to a podcast. You can find us. Uh, we are in the studio today previewing bank earnings. Rachel Louise Ensign, Aaron Lucchetti, Peter Rudiger, Paul and Stephen here with you. Uh, grocer, you want to ju- you want to jump in well, here? I, I want to get to sort of the point of like what you know, how much are investors setting themselves up sort of for a disappointment with this rally in bank stocks? I mean, the thirty four percent rise in Goldman, for example, I think in the City Note they 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 essentially said Goldman would have to generate four billion more in revenue above the already increased. Wow estimates to justify the valuation, to justify this rise. And a lot of what we're talking about and a lot of what people are talking about with like the deregulation, it isn't necessarily going to happen overnight. It, it It's going to take right. you know some time. And, and to, that's, you know, that's the city note where they downgraded. Yeah, they Goldman downgraded Sachs. Goldman. They said yeah. take some chips off the, the table as a valuation. Right. So, so that's what they're basing yeah. that on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so like I was just wondering if you'd like sort of get into like What's the sort of timing on regulation? Um, you know, the Volcker rule as well is, is, is an, you know, I think a big question. Yeah, I don't think anyone knows. And, and it could definitely be a really long time. And there's also a really good chance that not everything that's expected to happen will happen and that it won't benefit banks as much as everyone thinks. So I, I have seen a lot of different downgrades, especially among the regional banks. You know, there were some that just haven't really done very well since the crisis and were pretty cheap. And now they're trading at at very high or much higher valuations. So I don't think anyone knows what exactly Trump wants to do. And I don't think anyone knows 
when it's actually going to happen or if it's actually going to happen. So I think there is a lot of uncertainty, even though investors seem quite certain. I agree with part of that. I think that, that investors right now are in the dark about which parts of Dodd-Frank and, and regulation will will be looked at first for a possible rollback. But I do think we'll find out fairly quickly, like in the next six months, what, what is likely to to formulate here. Because really, I mean, Trump has four years, but in, in large part, he has two years where it's a golden opportunity for him to come in with a Republican Congress and try to get things done. Who knows what it's going to look like after three years? He may lose some seats. It may get tougher. He may be unpopular. We may be you know rolling over into slower growth. So he's got the momentum now, um, and the question is, how does he prioritize? Uh, and he'll probably do some stuff in the financial sector. He's not just going to look at health care, not just going to look at tax rates. By the way, lower tax rates help banks a lot, not just other corporations. And Shocking. Then he, yeah. And then, Shocking. Yeah, they're, they're, Surprising. They're in there, too. Yeah, They, they still pay taxes. Surprising. Um, but the other thing that to note is that uh, with, uh, with Volcker, uh, that could really help the uh, investment banks, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. Um, and you don't need an overall repeal. You don't need Congress to come in there and say, let's get rid of this. You could just have someone in the new OCC once uh, once that reappointment comes up, someone at the SEC, uh, if the Fed has some new members who look at it a little differently and enforce the rule a little differently and a little more friendly to banks. Well, so that could six months, quickly. Uh, you say six months. I mean, six months for a market that trades in nanoseconds, that is 50 lifetimes. Yeah, And, and that is actually a long time. But for I mean, this your, market, your, your time horizon when you're investing in a bank stock is likely going to be more than a nanosecond. I mean, you're, you're going to put. Is it? Maybe. I mean, what's what's pretty active trading in bank stocks? Sure. I mean, someone's selling. Sure, every trader's different. If you're sitting with a with a supercomputer and you can you know play with the big boys in high frequency trading, knock yourself out. But most people who look at bank stocks who are listening to this podcast probably want to put the money to work for a year or two. At yeah, least. it seems like a lot of the movement into bank stocks has been with more generalist portfolio managers, folks who might be managing money for a long time. But just one thing I want at one point I wanted to make on um, what what you're saying about the bank agencies that is actually something a lot of banks, senior bank executives have mentioned to me, which is that the the terms of a lot of the senior regulators don't actually overlap exactly with Trump's terms. So a lot of the folks who are going to be the heads of the agencies, really the most important people for these banks, are are going to be the Obama people for a, a considerable period of time, like the head of the OCC. So that's one thing that is a, a great source of kind of mystery for a lot of these senior bankers. They say, yeah, Trump says this, that sounds great. But if the head of the OCC is the same guy, how does that change anything for me? Right. You do have a very interesting prospect where you'll have some new folks like SEC, CFTC. Um, there's two open spots in the Federal Reserve. And you'll have some legacy folks who are were appointed by Barack Obama and who come at it from a totally different perspective. So you could have some regulatory gridlock if you don't have uh, Congress gridlock. And also the other thing, too, is getting just to back to the Volcker rule. I mean, defining what's market making and what's proprietary trading has always been a sort of difficult thing. I mean, you saw that earlier this year with the Goldman trader who generated what was $100 million in revenue on you know a trade. So, let, I mean, that, uh, that's, let, let Peter jump in. No, I, I, I do want to 
come back to what Aaron said kind of about tax rates, right? Because that is something that the new Congress, the new administration has put on the front burner and does expect to tackle within the first couple of weeks of the administration. Uh, analysts at Morgan Stanley last week put out a note that the most common question that they're getting from their clients is what, how will lower tax rates affect bank stocks? So yeah, Volcker is a very complicated you know, uh, statute that will take a long time to rewrite. I don't think taxes are any easier, but like there's the willingness to tackle that at the administration and on the Hill and could be pretty significant for these banks. Because I'm sharing Steve Grosser's mic, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to do something I haven't done before and I'm going to ask a question of Peter and Rachel and that is which bank are you looking forward to the most? Which one do you think will be most interesting this earnings season? Well, this isn't for any of the reasons we're discussing currently, but you know, Wells Fargo yeah, is reporting uh, on Friday, you know, we've had you know, announcements from them month by month showing steady, steady declines in new checking account openings. You know, there's a lot we still don't know on the scandal around the sales practices and, and what the new CEO is going to do to clean it up. Um, our colleague Emily Glazer had a great story recently on the review the board is undertaking. It seems to be a little more thorough than the company's, and we don't really know what they're going to find or when those findings are going to be announced. So there's a lot of questions for Wells to answer on Friday, and, you know, that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, that's a great point. Plus, it is pretty heavily exposed to mortgages, which is one area that could get interesting in the next six months with uh, rates going up and refis probably drying up. Yeah, I would agree with Peter and say that Wells does seem like it's going to be the most interesting bank this time around for specifically that reason. It's also just been really interesting from the very beginning of, of this settlement and then the ensuing sales scandal just to see how the bank manages the optics around the settlement and the the sales goals and everything. So it'll be interesting to see if they just continue taking the same approach or if they take a different tone because, you know, obviously the initial tone struck by uh, Mr. Stump didn't really uh, work out very well for them. So that'll, that'll be really interesting to hear on Friday. Yeah, CEO Tim Sloan, who replaced uh, John Stump, was at a fintech or financial technology uh, um, conference this week. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because he tackled the, the issue of, of sort of the elephant in the room and the big sales scandal right at the front and said, you know, you, a lot of you have, have been familiar with what we've been working on in the last three months for the wrong reasons. And, and he got a little chuckle out of the crowd. But it's, it's difficult for a firm to kind of focus on the fundamentals and the future and, and sort of where banking is going and getting, you know, ATMs without cards and stuff like that, while you're also trying to, like, review the sales practices of thousands and thousands of tellers and branch managers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very difficult time for them. When, excuse me, uh, you know, one thing I want to get us to touch on is I I know the guidance is always interesting, right? The outlooks, conference calls, what they say. Is is there anything specific that people should be looking for on some of these calls um, from any of the banks or just in general? I would say Jamie Dimon always seems to take take the question on about the economy and sort of a much more macro 10,000, you know, sort of foot view. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what he says on the outlook for, you know, Trump. And, you know, given how much the markets have bought into, you know, this idea that we're going to see 4% growth next year. Um, you know, is Jamie really, uh, does Jamie see that? I mean, I think that could be a question he faces. Yeah, I, I think one thing that's always interesting is that the bank's are meeting with small businesses, medium-sized businesses every day, and they really do have a good sense of the sentiment around those companies. And I know at least the regional banks often give pretty extensive commentary on what they're hearing, what they're seeing. I mean, these are banks, even though they're pretty big, the CEO will 
go out and meet with clients for a lot of his or her time. So it'll be interesting to see if they talk about a change in sentiment, a change in borrowing, and if that's already happened or if it's still speculative uh, and kind of forward-looking. The body language out of the trading um, CEOs like Lloyd Blankfein at Goldman Sachs and, and James Gorman at Morgan Stanley will also be very interesting because, you know, it, these guys may try to temper some of the enthusiasm and say, like, look, it's only been three or, you know, two or three quarters of strong trading. We're going to wait and see. Or they may talk about putting more commitment into trading and seeing sort of a secular change toward, you know, more activity and, and people becoming more comfortable with the rules that were put in place um, in 2009 and 10 and 11 uh, and hopes for more deregulation. So it'll be really interesting to see how far Goldman and Morgan Stanley go in saying, like, yeah, we think this is a big uh, game changer moment. No, I, I, I just actually agree because, I mean, you look at the – it was the first quarter, not the fourth quarter, but Goldman had a 40 percent drop in revenue, yeah. I think, in the first quarter last year. And I think people started writing off the sort of – the death of sort of the Wall Street and trading and the sort of typical investment bank um, during the first half of last year. That seems to have changed. It'll be interesting to see what they say about that. Yeah, and you know, after those you know revenue misses, you know, a lot of banks, Goldman and Morgan Stanley, among them, started laying off yeah. a bunch of traders. Um, you know, the trading environment hasn't changed that much. We'd expect announcements of big new hires, but maybe you know the focus for for one quarter at least can stop being about you know expense management and keeping costs down, and what are you doing to muddle through a, a low revenue environment, and what, how is your revenue, how much is your revenue outlook changing for the future, and how much can that be the point of discussion, not just keeping costs low. And also just finally, I think also the mortgage market, I I, I think that, you know, with rates going up and we just bounce back to, you know, prices getting to their pre-crisis level, um, you know, we have, well, the prices are going up because there's been a lack of, you know, sort of supply and the demand, you know, it, uh, the, does this disrail, derail the sort of housing recovery? Um, the rising rates. Yeah, I mean, the Mortgage Bankers Association has started revising lower its estimates for mortgages in 2017. Uh, that'll definitely be one thing to, to look out for. One thing we haven't discussed that I kind of keep an eye, eye on is, you know, for the past couple quarters, banks have really been investing a lot in their credit card businesses, right? You know, these are very high uh, ROE businesses um, with the rise in the federal funds rate that banks are already starting to charge a lot of customers 25 basis points more to borrow on their cards. But you're starting to see banks pull back just a little bit from kind of the rewards war that we've seen. So J.P. Morgan recently announced that this very high bonus that they were offering on the Chase Sapphire Reserve card is going away, I think, tomorrow. Um, you know, we'll see if they give any commentary on why they're making that change and whether any other banks follow suit. But, you know, the credit card market has been where a lot of folks have been focusing on growth. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, there's some, just some signs that that's become overheated as well. Yeah. And just to put it into perspective, I think maybe with the exception of Wells Fargo, bank CEOs m- are undoubtedly much happier now than they were a year ago. I mean, the state of their industry and the sentiment around their industry is just so uh, radically different than it was a year ago. And, uh, you know, when I would often meet with bank CEOs, there was just a sense over the last year that uh, they were very stressed and just the low interest rate environment was going on and on for years longer than they ever anticipated. And uh, now you really have to think that they are relieved and happier to do their very lucrative jobs. Was it, wasn't one of them having nightmares about the rate environment? Or <sighs> 
I think so. Yeah, I think we. It was Kelly King of BBNT was having nightmares. That, that's someone who really takes his job seriously. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, like if we go back a year ago, I mean, the world was going to negative rates. Yeah. I mean, and negative rates were, you know, basically how much are you going to damage your financial sector at the hope of, you know, stimulating yeah. the economy. Negative rates aren't being, you know, I mean, they Europe still has thing. negative rates, but I mean, it's, they're not being discussed, and you're not seeing the sort of, you know, countries implementing them. Well, like they stopped they were. going. We're negative. in a different. We're in a very different place. Is all I'm saying. That we yeah. were. For now, yeah. yes. For now. For now. <laughs> all right. Let's uh, leave it there. Unless there's something else critical. Okay. Good. Good. Because you guys, I think you guys got everything. You did great. We'll leave it there. I want to thank you all for listening. Friday morning, big morning bank stocks will be there at some point later on in Friday. So uh, look out for us and we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.